Hello and welcome to our podcast, Secret Skill, Hidden Career, The Truth About Sales, hosted by me, Paul Owen. This podcast is based on my best-selling book, Secret Skill, Hidden Career, and it has three aims. First, we want to challenge the belief in the UK that sales is a dirty word. We don't learn it because we see it as a bad thing. Yet done properly, sales is the essence of business as well as a key life skill. Secondly, we want to introduce everyone to the skill of sales. It helps you in almost every job. It helps you get a job in the first place. And it helps you communicate better in your personal life too. Thirdly, we want to throw a light on sales as a potential career. I came to sales at the age of 32 and it changed my life. It could well change yours too. With chapters read from my book and interviews with business leaders, sales newcomers and all points in between, the content will be insightful and fun with plenty of tips to help anyone improve their communication skills. How you choose to use those new skills, that's up to you. Today's podcast focuses on one of the business leaders I interviewed for my book, Nicola Cook, and I'm delighted to confirm that Nicola joins us today right here in the studio. Welcome, Nicola. Thank you very much, Paul. Um, just briefly reminding listeners or introducing listeners to the idea, if they're new, of why I interview business leaders for the book. I wanted real life stories of people who started off in a sales job or started off by learning sales skills and then went on to do all sorts of amazing things. And I think it's probably ended up being the highlight of the book is the stories like yours, uh, Nicola. And I'm going to just quickly introduce people with where you are now. Please let me know if I miss any bits. And I'd like to go back to where you started the sales career. So for the listeners, Nicola is co-founder and CEO of Company Shortcuts, offering specialist consultancy services to businesses to help them achieve rapid growth. She's also the author of two best-selling books, The Secrets of Success in Selling and A New You, The Small Changes That Make the Biggest Difference to Your Life. As well as writing books and helping companies use the skills she's learned to grow their revenues, Nicola is also a highly respected public speaker on all things sales and business. Covered most things I there, I think Nicola? so. Yes, thank you for that lovely introduction. Great. Well, that's where you are now, but for the yeah. purpose of this uh, discussion, there's various bits. It didn't start out like that. It didn't start that way. <laughs> Definitely so let's, not. let's go back to how it started. Your first foray into the business world. Where did you start? So, um, I wasn't very academic um, and I went to quite a posh school and um, so I kind of graduated um, second off bottom in, in the class and the first um, my sort of First non-achievement uh, was that I was one of only two um, people who didn't go to university and the um, other uh, person was because they went to work in their dad's business. So I didn't come out of school feeling all kind of like mega confident and super like a high achiever at all. And what I was interested in was I was inter interested in business and I was interested in travel at the time. And this is in the, the early 90s. Um, and I happened to talk my way into an American Express graduate scheme. So that was my first sort of foray into the into the business world. And at the time, I actually had an option to go on and, and complete a degree and get a degree in business administration or whatever the, the, the course was called at that time at a then polytechnic. They remember anyone old enough to remember them later became Northumbria um, University. And I went education or the money, education or the money. And I went, oh, no, I'm going to take the career. And it was the best decision I'd ever made, actually, because um, that grounding in that blue chip was 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 absolutely amazing. But it wasn't, ironically, in sales skills. It was in technical okay. skills. So um, my first career was in business travel. 
And this was at a time when the travel industry was very, very different than it is now, because this is obviously, um, Paul, you're old enough to remember, you know, pre-Google, pre-internet. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> you're a Gen Y, the same as me. But, um, uh, you know, so if you wanted, if you were a business traveller and you wanted to go anywhere in the world, whether that be Hong Kong or New York or, um, you know, Kajistan or whatever, you didn't go online and book it yourself. You rang uh, an office. And and the type of work that I was involved in was um, I was uh, responsible for looking after some big corporate execs that were moving all around the world. Um, and and the thing that was really interesting about that and how my introduction to sales happened, it was by accident. So there was two things that I picked up at that time in my career. The first one was is that the entire industry was built on commission. So it wasn't that I was necessarily commissioned as a salesperson, but I was incentivized to sell certain products over others. So, for example, American Express had done a deal with American Airlines and we earned 11% on every airfare that we sold versus British Airways where we earned 7.5%. I just happen to remember those numbers. Um, so my job was if somebody rang up and said, can you put me on the 5 o'clock flight from Heathrow to New York? I would have to try and persuade them to take the 10 past 5 American Airlines because we earned a little bit more mm. money. Um, and that was kind of like that sort of lodged in my brain, that sort of, uh, you know, how that sort of all worked. Um, and the second thing that I realized quite quickly in that career um, was that um, I was really good at solving problems. And essentially, that's what sales is. It's about identifying what that person's problem is and helping them find a solution or a product to fulfill that need. And the more complicated the problem and uh, the, the, the more excited I got about it. So, and, and, it, and it was a very customer service orientated role as well. I was dealing, I mean, the kind of role I was in at the time, I was dealing with predominantly male, but um, uh, lots of men who had very big egos and, you know, um, were very successful in their own right. And, and my job was just to make their, their life a lot easier. Um, and it was from that role that I then kind of got like sort of sniffed my way into sales and I would just put my hand up for anything that came along that sort of had more of a sales or a marketing element um, and I started to sort of move more into that space and it was only my second career role which actually um, was serving Procter & Gamble so I, I didn't have, I never actually worked directly for P&G but I worked for the agency that ran the entire um, outsourced telemarketing function for Procter and Gamble at the time, and by the end of that role, I end up I was running the whole show. So it was a it was a big job. I had you know I was running a, a sales team at that time of about eighty staff, um, but I got immersed into the Procter and Gamble world because we were essentially part of their overall sales function, and I was just deemed to be like another area manager um, within that within their whole organisation. And that was when I really started to understand sales because I was treated as one of, of them and I just for the next chunk of my career I just sucked it up like an absolute sponge and and really understood then how a really good sales operation works from beginning to end. Two great um, brands to, yeah, to go and work with I guess. Yeah and then it was really interesting because my career took me in a different direction because um, I did a few other roles and I, I did some stint with some other big brands and you know I could name drop names like Gucci and things like this but then where where my sort of pivot point came which is kind of what I do now is um, I got a phone call from a friend of mine who had a very small company, five people, a service-based business, business-to-business -business sales operation. And the job interview was at Nicola Ranida, sales director. Do you want the job? And I thought, can he? This is going to be dead easy after, you know, these running these big corporate teams. And by the, the end of my corporate career, I was, you know, at a sales director level running big strategic functions. Um, 
And I thought, oh, this is going to be small and intimate and dead easy and all this kind of stuff. And I walked into this small company on day one. And I remember, I remember vividly the first day on the first on my job. We, we were just about to move into an office. So we were still based from the MD's home. And I turned up all suited and booted um, in a pinstripe suit because I still wore pinstripe suits. And back in those days, don't wear them now. I have this philosophy now that people in suits work for people in jeans. Anyway, and um, I went, oh, where would you like me to sit? Assuming that I would have a desk to sit at. And I remember distinctly the answer was, hmm. I think I was Sarah's got a spare beanbag in her bedroom, and I remember thinking, "Oh my god, you know, I wow, don't they, even have a, don't even have a." They were ahead a of their time. Yeah, they were actually thinking about it now. You know, people would be jumping over the over the beanbags, but I was like, "Hmm, this is interesting," and I suddenly realised that a small business doesn't have the luxury of the, um, uh, you know, the the, the organisation around them that some of those big brands have yet they've still got to grow and they've still got to sell. And that was really the test of my sales skills, was building that. that You know, I was used to picking up the phone and saying, and when will your diary be available for me? I need to come and talk to you about the next Pampers launch kind of thing. And I was like ringing up saying, hello, hello, do you know me? No. Can I have a meeting? No. And for five months, I just got the phone put down on me like this and sat on that flipping beanbag until we made enough money to go it's and a buy a it's chair. It's a big change, isn't it? And it was. It was huge. Switch, but it, yeah. was, it was the grounding of what I do now, which is I basically help other businesses go through that scale-up journey. So it was, and, and it was the real test, actually, of all the sales skills that I'd learned uh, up, and, up until that point. Mm, okay. There's a story, I want to go back a bit more and yeah, then go sure. forward. And mm-hmm. there was a story you told when we oh, met around the book. No, not <laughs> not, not the ones post-interview. Yeah. But this was about your grandfather. Because oh, I yes. seem to remember quite yeah, yeah. Uh, quite an interesting man. And oh, it felt to so. me like mm. played a part in your mindset of what you can achieve at, at, at that time in, in, in a difficult world. Definitely. Well, that, thank you for asking. That's uh, No one's ever asked me that before. But yeah, my grandfather was an absolutely amazing, inspirational guy. His name is Siddle Cook. Um, and uh, I mean, sadly, he's long. He's not for this world any, any longer. He's, uh, I think it's about 20 years ago since he, since he died. But he created a number of really big brands back in the day. And um, three of them are still in existence. And one is still owned by uh, my cousin and, and uh, the other side of my family. So um, um, Siddle is, um, or Eldus is Siddle spelt backwards. So he created, um, it was all manufacturing or haulage. So it was uh, Eldus Caravans, um, which he grew and then that was sold to ABI. It was a trade sale. Um, and he, uh, Eldus Transport, which is still in existence now. And it's a, it's, it's still a big company and it's run, uh, owned, uh, co-owned by my uncle and, and run by my um my cousin Nigel and it's great he's a he's an awesome leader actually is our Nigel our Nigel how Geordie's that anyway <laughs> um and uh and Compass Caravans as well came along after that as well so but the thing that's really interesting about my grandfather is he was one of those he, you know he was the pre-war generation he, he was born in between the two world wars and grew up left school at 14 and was a grafter and um uh you know Basically, becoming an entrepreneur in his world was was a, was a means to an end. It wasn't a career choice that he made. Like sales often isn't a career choice that we all make, but it was a, it was something that he needed to do. And he created three. He was an awesome awesome leader. But he had he had struggles. He was, as a lot of people were in those days, he was illiterate. In based on our um, definition of illiterate, he could write his signature and he could read, but he couldn't write. Um, and he managed to still create. Um, over his lifetime, five multinational businesses, three of which sold successfully, and he ended his life as a very successful man. 
And I I grew up in the 1980s, and I'm from the northeast. In case you hadn't spotted that, um, so I lived through the miners' strike, and I lived through our steelworks closing in our in our hometown, and I saw the you know the challenges that that faced with um, uh, when you know an industry is is no longer relevant, and therefore there are casualties when 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 society makes change. But my family survived and and were very resilient. And at one time, actually, my grandfather was the largest employer in our town. So you'd think that that would be uplifted. But actually, we were we were you know deemed to be on the on the opposite side of the fence, so to speak, and were targeted in in some ways. But what I took away from that was that certainly in my world, um, you know, sales and in and and as I am now, a business owner and an entrepreneur was was a as a was a means to manage my own destiny because what I learned through that experience was actually the more that you can that you are in control of your own destiny, the more choices you have in life, even when the even when the odds are stacked against you. And my grandfather was the living testament of that. No matter how hard the odds were, he always just found a way to, you know, um, make it through and and to sustain his business and to you know manage his employees and create employment for people, which was such an important part mm. of, of my of my childhood okay. growing up. Okay, mm. brilliant. I love the grandfather story. Uh, I think not because it's your grandfather who didn't know the man, uh, although mm. he sounds an amazing man, but it's about a role model. It's about somebody in your community you can look at and and gain those lessons from of you can take whatever happens to you, whatever world you're in, whatever attributes and skills you're either born with or learn, and what you do tomorrow is your choice and it's your world. And it came through in almost everything we spoke about for the book. So extending that to you, was it 2004 you first yes. set up yep. on your own? So was there a trigger? There's normally something that happens that, that makes us go now. Yeah, so it? so that company that I mentioned that I kind of started life on the beanbag is um, we grew that business quite quite uh, rapidly over the next uh, four, four and a half years. And it went, it went through a sale, so it went through a trade sale. Um, I didn't have any shares in the business, so I, I didn't I didn't um, gain any wealth from from the asset from that. But I did get a nice big um, uh, you know chunky payout as a thank you. And um, I went with the new owners for a period of time, but I knew very quickly. I mean, there comes to a point. I think sometimes um, you might you I I had certainly made myself unemployable by that point because I'd kind of done it all. You know, like I, I wanted to create my own team and create my own culture and set the strategy and do all that kind of stuff. And it was like, oh, now there are new rules, and I was like, oh, I'm not really going to fit in here anymore. So that was the that was the springboard moment where I went right, okay, so. Um, I'm going to do this properly. So I did a I did a six month handover. So I didn't just kind of like you know stick, throw me toys out the pram. And I gave them I gave them actually ten months notice before leaving because I knew I'd be a bit a bit of a loss to the to the company. And then I uh, sort of um, set up set up the business quietly in the background and and did everything absolutely above board and ethical and and so on and, and started trading and 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 raised my first invoice on the day that I started trading from having set everything up and stuff. So that was the so that was the, it was the it was the sale of that previous business that sort of like pushed me into that direction. And was that initially a, tr- a pure training business? Yes, or- it was. I mean, it was. it's funny how these things morph, isn't it? You know, so um, I didn't, uh, un- I didn't really have a business plan. I didn't, uh, I mean, I had some really good sales skills, so I knew I could sell my way out of trouble. But I had a whole new skill set to learn that I didn't know yet that I didn't know, um, which was actually the, 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 the parts of running a business, which is a, you know, an entrepreneurial skill set. Um, but by then I had a long career in sort of building highly perform- high performing sales teams. So the call that I kept getting was Nicola, you know, I've got a sales team. Can you just come and train them? Can you just come and train them? So I really did that for the first sort of five, six years of my 
consultancy career and I developed a few um, programs around that and the, you know the books kind of followed and things and then that's kind of uh, evolved as, as gosh I've been going now gosh how long was it I don't know Conrado 15, 16, 18 years, I think it is now. What, what year are we in? I don't even 2019, know. How old 15, am I? I'll I don't do know. I can't I'll remember. Do, I'll do the maths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of evolved and I've, you know, found a certain part of the market where my skill set is really useful and, and that's what I do. So, but I, but I've, I've, I mean, I still love getting in the training room and training people when the opportunity arrives and things. So, okay. it's such a, an important skill set, Paul, that's not taught. You know, well, you and I are on the same bandwagon when we talk about this. <laughs> well, it ends up the, well, staying on that theme for the moment, the, yeah. and you fit into this profile as well. I guess I do. Certainly um, various other business leaders mm. were. And it's back to the theme of the podcast and the book and so on, is that almost everybody who ends mm -hmm. up in sales, yeah. and luckily for me, I'm normally talking to people who've been successful in sales. So we're not even talking about the whole gamut of it, but successful people. And almost without exception, they've fallen into sales. Yeah. And I just think, you know, as a recruiter myself in the company I do, when you consider there are somewhere between three and three and a half million people in the UK who work yeah. in sales, it's the largest function in business by a country mile. Yeah. And yet we all leave education, whatever level we leave it at, not really knowing anything about it. If there's anything, it's negative. Mm -hmm. There's a few changes, but they're small changes. Yeah. It's truly remarkable. You would never set up a sales pipeline in any company you've mm -hmm. ever run which says let's wait until people are ready to buy from us and then let's inform that this thing yeah. exists mm -hmm. it's absolutely I know. crazy and that's the actual biggest challenge to all recruitment in mm -hmm. sales is that the talent pool coming in is not big enough Correct. or well informed enough and yeah. that has a load of knock-on effects to the training then on the training people are thrown in and there's still this not even a 1990s idea to me, a 1980s idea mm. that you sink or swim, drop them in. If you're good enough, you'll survive. And I often think of sport as an analogy. And I think, yeah. well, you know, I guess Roger Federer at some stage as a young boy had a decent eye for the ball. Yeah. I don't think it made him the greatest tennis player of all time, arguably. Yeah. He might have had, even if he did have an eye, even if that was a born skill, mm -hmm. he still then had to have years and years and Definitely. years. Definitely. It's the 10,000 hours rule, isn't it? You know, the uh, Malcolm Gladwell philosophy mm. of 10,000 hours, you know. So it's like um, whatever you choose to to apply yourself in, you, you you still there is there are skills that you can learn. There are competencies. And obviously, there is there will be people who have natural talent. But you and I share the same philosophy that everybody was born to be a salesman. There's just a sliding scale. So with with that extra coaching and support and help, you can, you know, whatever your, num your starting number was, is you can improve your your performance if you've got the right kind of um, attitude and belief and support and skill set and and uh, you know um, uh, you know like um, environment around mm. you. So so yeah, so you well, and staying, I definitely share share that philosophy. Staying on that theme then mm. on the fact that we can all go into sales. There's also lots of different kinds of salespeople, and of course we all have yes. this typical idea of it's the loud. Yep. brash person, more often a guy mm -hmm. uh, who's going to be the salesperson. And as you and I will know, that doesn't mean they can't sell, but they're often the worst because they spend too much time talking and not enough time listening. But there's many different, you can be the introvert, you can be the quiet one. Yep. There are several people I interviewed for the book who had, had gone into business being quiet and mm. meek and shy and actually through sometimes being thrown at the deep end or actually through learning how to do it well you build confidence. Yeah. And again, this element is often overlooked that confidence is something you build. It's not something mm -hmm. you 
necessarily have mm-hmm. in sales. So I guess it's trying to find ways to get enough young people learning this skill. Well, I don't think that sales is a one size fits all. Um, I always like laugh and say, if you're old enough to remember, um, you know, Stars in the Rise with um, Matthew's like, and tonight, Matthew, and the doors open and the steam comes out, I'm going to be your sales hero. And we kind of, when we're recruiting for salespeople, that's the kind of image that sort of, as you describe them, that sort of go-getting, hunting kind of person. But actually, um, even in the last 10 years and even more so in the last five years, the way in which people want to buy has changed. Um, so uh, typically pre-internet and, and pre-information age is if you were if you had a consumer-based product, if you wanted to scale, what you did is you opened more retail stores. That was your that was your route to market was you just needed to be physically visible on the high street. Um, and if you were in business to business, then you just basically you hired more direct salespeople and you shoved them in cars, the Ford Mondeos of the day or Ford Sierras, if you're old enough to remember that. And you send them out on the road and basically their instruction was don't come back till three o'clock on Friday. Um, but that's not how cu- customers or consumers want to buy anymore, because the irony is, is that people hate to be sold to yet love to buy. So the information age has given them the opportunity to now do a lot more of their own research. Now, the impact for that in terms of businesses and sales talent is that we um, become aware of our prospects when they're much later in the buying cycle. So typically it used to be about 25% of the way into the buying cycle, we would become aware of of a prospect because they would raise their hand in some way and reach out to you and want more information. But now they're delaying that until almost the point of negotiation. So often the first a, a, a client knows of a new prospect is when somebody knocks on the door and basically says, what's your best price? Um, now, this has created a challenge in, in, the, in, the, in the world of sales talent because traditionally the, the roles of marketing and sales were very well defined. The role of marketing was get more people to, through the door, so to speak, and sales was like nurture those leads through and, and, until they become a customer. Um, but now there's this gap in the, there's this gap in the middle, and it's like where does the sales cycle start, and therefore what are the what is the competencies or the talent that we need to help us, and 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 as salespeople, what should we be doing there? So I've now created like a new sort of like sales cycle, which is marketing at the front end, still sales at the back end, and in the middle I have coined a new word, Paul. It's called schmarketing in the middle bit, and and when coming back to your original question, which is about what is the the type of talent? There's a whole new set of talent required there because these are people who need to be commercial in the sense that they can understand marketing, the principles of marketing, and they can understand the principles of selling, but they're also analytical. So they can look at data and they can look at trends and they can look at information that's coming at them through automation and so on. And they can make intelligent decisions about where that customer might be at in in the sales cycle. And that's created a whole new new challenge because um, if we just think of training people in what we would describe as being core sales skills, that sort of typical kind of, you know, hard nose, outgoing, closing, you know, the sort of Wolf of Wall Street mm. type archetype that you think of. Actually, there's, there's less and less need for that in, 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 in business today. What we need are these really intelligent but commercially astute people who understand the customer journey, who understand the value proposition of their company or their product and understand how a customer wants to buy from them and help align those two things together to create this seamless way in order to attract customers to come through in, into their business. So it's, it's, it's um, there's, and I mean, 
academic, you know, academia and schools and so on haven't even caught up with the need to, to teach sales skills, never mind this new emerging area in the middle where we kind of think, is it digital marketing? Is it social media? Is it, you know, what is it that we, that, that the you know, this this need in the middle here? Yeah. So, Well, that degree in marketing is merely two decades away by the time they, <laughs> they catch up, I guess. But the, yeah. I, I love the, the point you make about that, and I, I 100% agree on it. And I wonder if there's a lesson within it as well for people thinking about learning sales, whether as a skill or as their career, because very often, again, we've talked about this before, the perception of sales means you think I have to adopt certain behaviours. And often when I talk to people who are considering sales at whatever stage of their career, I ask them to take a different viewpoint, which is similar to yours, which is forget that. Think about how you buy. Think about those interactions. Think about... Even those decisions that you don't think are really buying, when you go to a coffee shop and you go mm-hmm. back to the same coffee shop each day, why? Why mm-hmm. that one? And there's going mm-hmm. to be something not linked to the coffee, probably, that takes you back there. It's going to be yeah. the warm greeting. It's going to be uh, they look you in the eye and say thank you at the end. Or it's going to be a warm environment or better music. We're all making decisions constantly about why we go back and why we buy, which are often unconsciously made and, yeah. and so on. So if you want to learn about selling, simply look at the way you buy yeah that's the best lesson yeah no i i agree and um i mean i think there's still um there's still a lot that we can still teach in terms of just basic what we would call consider to be basic core skills as in you know um active listening and being able to build rapport with people and being able to really deeply question them um be able to you know structure a compelling argument be able to get people to commit to action which is essentially closing in inverted commas um, and and when you break it down in those terms, you know, altogether, that kind of makes up your sales tool bag. But we never teach it like that. But I teach it to my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've got two young boys and when they have a big argument and they can't, oh, I want a PlayStation. No, I want to play on the PlayStation. It's like, OK, so negotiate. You remember the rules of negotiation. It's like understand what the other person needs and what are you prepared to give and what's your walk away point. And, you know, I, I use this language. I mean, my poor kids, I mean, they're probably going to, you know, yes, I'll pay for your therapy when you get, when you grow up. But, <laughs> um, you know, but this is the thing that frustrates me about society, particularly the UK. It's not it's 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 really odd, Paul, because it's like if you go to America or if you go to Europe, it's like they don't have this same mm. aversion to sales as a career that we do really particularly in the UK if you if you sit around the dinner table with your parents in America age 13 and they say you know what do you want to be when you grow up and you go I want to be a salesman they go go on you know and they they think it as being entrepreneurial mm. and you know they they consider it to be a profession and the same in 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 many of the European countries it's only the UK where we kind of go no really surely you must want to be a doctor or a you know a teacher or a, they don't consider it to be a a, a valuable skill set um, and you and I both know, I mean, this is this is life skill. Mm. You know, um, for me, learning the art of influence is is a transferable skill that crosses, um, you know, every area of life. So wherever you choose to apply it, whether it be in a business context or within a sales functioning role, whether you carry that label or not, um, it's it's a, it's you know, it's it's up there with learning how to manage your time or learning how to, uh, you know, the, the, you know the skills around money and making money and, and becoming financially astute it's 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 right up there with me mm. you know the the, the sales skills or the art of influence however yeah. you want to frame it and also within life generally within Definitely. you know <laughs> uh, 
we are there to be empathetic in life and we're there to facilitate others. But most of us also want to have a certain amount of control over what we do in our life and how we spend our time socially and all sorts of different things that we'd like to, you know, write the script for our own life. Yeah. And if you want to make that happen, it isn't about what's necessarily right and it isn't always necessarily about what's fair. Mm. It's about bringing about a certain outcome. And if you want to bring about a certain outcome within parameters, clearly, mm -hmm. then you're more likely to get it, just like your boys yeah. arguing over the PS4 mm -hmm. or whatever console others might use. Um, <laughs> of course. Is <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> to learn what you want the outcome to be. And mm -hmm. I've sometimes had this with people of all sorts of ages and they'll say something which is just bizarre. Mm -hmm. And I'll say to them, why? why would you say that? And they'll say, even in life situations, forget work. And they'll say, well, I'm just thinking it. I wanted to share what I was... Um, what I was thinking, I said, well, the thing is about communication. Communication should change what people think. It should change what people know, or it should change how people feel. And if yeah. you're not doing one of those three things, I don't really know why you're talking. Now, there's one or two exceptions. There aren't that many. And if you have the ability to communicate in a way which changes how people feel, mm -hmm. that's just about the most magical and valuable skill you can learn. Absolutely. I have a... Um... I have a philosophy that I that I that I live to, which is actually part of my own personal mission statement, which is whenever you ha interact with anybody at any time through any medium, one of three things will happen. Um, either they will leave feeling slightly more positive about that interaction. They will leave feeling more negative about that interaction or in most cases, sadly, they'll have no feeling at all. Their feelings will be unchanged. It will be neutral. And I have a personal mission that everybody that I meet, I want to leave a positive impression. So it's like I'm kind of like dishing out, you know, unicorn magic. <laughs> That's what you want to call it, you know. So that, not not for my own ego at all, but I just think the world needs a bit more of that, you know. And and you have that power. Everybody has that power. You can you can make a difference in every in in somebody else's life on, on an absolutely like micro level. Um, and if we if we all got out of our own heads and started thinking more about the other person and and what value we can bring that that, that to that other person through the talents and skills that we have, whether that's in a corporate setting or not, then you know, for me, sales is about service. It, it, service, as in the context of you know, like contribution, as opposed to like customer service, is what I mean there. Um, and um, the more that you can. Uh, grow those skills and then use them in a positive way. There is a, I have a, I have a, in my book, I have a, I say that there's a fine line between being a salesman and a conman, and that's your level of integrity. Mm -hmm. So, providing you're operating from a place of integrity, then why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you go and get a career in sales and do some good? You know, it's uh, for me. I'm as you can tell, I'm a little bit passionate about this, yeah. Paul. <laughs> well, you're, you're also you're also a mind reader because my next question was going uh -huh. to be why should people learn how to sell as a final mm. bit to close on or a penultimate bit to close on? I should say, and you've already answered that. So I'll come to you with my final question mm. uh, for today. And clearly, we could rattle on for hours and probably will. But for your life, yes. so it's not just about your career because a career mm -hmm. plays a part mm -hmm. in a life. For your life, what difference has it made to go into business with a sales focus and learn how to sell, learn how to do all those things you just talked about, which is to influence people? It's absolutely, um, you know, created the life of my dreams. And, and whatever your definition of success is, whether that be... You know, I often say to um, school children, I don't say, what is it you want to be when you grow up? I want to say, I, I say, you know, what do you want to experience? What do you want to give? What do you want to feel? You know, what do you want to um, do differently when you grow up as opposed to like, you know, what do you want to be? And if I, I, I set my goals every sort of three to five years and we do it as a family now and um, everything, everything that I have made the decision to do in life, I have achieved 
Um, and and I could not, I absolutely could not have done that without, you know, being prepared to invest in myself and, and learn how to become better at these skills so that I could use them, you know, to benefit my life and the life of every person that I connect with. And um, I didn't set out in life. I didn't know that was going to be my career. You know, if I was talking to myself and, you know, my 16-year-old self, I would say, you know, find your passion um, and your career may change, but your skills will always stay with you. So wherever you choose to apply it and however, whatever the context is, is that for me, I, abs- I, c- I absolutely would not have the life that I have in every area, be that, you know, health, wealth, fina- you know, um, family, business, um, travel, uh, you know, variety, contribution, everything, everything, you know, my my ability and my sales competence has has contributed, you know, beyond measure in mm. that area. Brilliant. Listen, you're giving your time freely today. So before I wrap up, I should just make sure that people know if they want to hear about more yep. about Nicola Cook and, and company shortcuts, where do they go? Um, well, you can Google me and that will bring up some quite interesting things as well. Um, but our website is companyshortcuts.com. There's the corporate website. I also have a personal website is nicolacook.com. Um, we have a YouTube channel. There's some, you know, you can watch me spouting off some more on YouTube if you want to see some speeches and things like that. Um, but we have set up a specific landing page as a result of this podcast. So we'll put some resources online that people can go directly to. So if they go to company shortcuts dot com forward slash secret skill hidden career then we'll then we'll put some extra bonus stuff up online brilliant thank you nicola so much for your time today for all of those listening i hope you've enjoyed today's podcast with nicola another fantastic example of the difference it can make to your life to learn how to sell if you have enjoyed this podcast please please come back soon and tell others about it secret skill hidden career the truth about sales we'll be back again soon If you have had your appetite whetted and want to read, then you can find my book and also Nicola's books online. Going to Amazon to read them. Thanks for listening. Thanks for your time.